talking about them good old days songs, movies, radio plays Conjuring up the old-time ways in Dad's attic Take it away, Dad. Hello, Willa. Yes, I thought you'd have another Bonzo Dog Band greeting for me today. Well, I, mm. I've run out of them after just two. Maybe there's another one somewhere, but I suppose I could do Mr. Slater's parrot. Hello, hello. And keep doing that yeah. for five for... minutes. <laughs> <laughs> let's not say we did. Okay, I do have a question for you to begin tonight right, again. A trivia it. question. Who is or was Moses Horwitz? Oh, that sounds very familiar. Boy, can you give me a little mm, realm of, like, which he was genre? He was famous working with someone named Louis Feinberg. Oh. Music? No. Uh, I don't know. Lay it on me. <laughs> Moses Horowitz was Mo Howard. Oh. And I'm going to talk about the Three wow. Stooges a little bit tonight, but that was his real name. <laughs> really? <laughs> and Louis Feinberg was Larry Fine. Oh. And then, of course, there were Boy. other Stooges. But yeah, so I just. Wow, yeah. should have put that together. I Moses couldn't. Horowitz was his Very name. Very cool. Okay, but before we get started, I wanted to talk a little bit about new that's, what's new that's old and yeah, what we're currently right. doing. And I referred to this last time, this book I'm reading, written by Dave Van Ronk, mm -hmm. a folk singer, and more than a folk singer. He would call himself a jazz singer, mm. or blues, or whatever. How but do you spell that last name? V A N, and then a separate. Capital yeah. R, Ronk. Capital R. R-O-N-K. Small O. <laughs> capital V, small A. Small N, capital R, small O, small N, small K. We haven't, we already did WCPO. Carl <laughs> No, the Dave Van Ronk, famous singer, wrote this book, but he hit upon some things we've been talking about with our discussions about Songs that are well-written, mm -hmm. not well-written. And I said Bob Dylan. You know, of course, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about him a lot in, uh, when we're talking about well-written songs. And there's a little bit of tension and friction between these, these guys. They were all there in the beginning mm -hmm. together, sleeping on each other's couches, scraping together money for food. They, couldn't, they didn't make much money in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then Bob Dylan hit it big and mm -hmm. had albums and, and all kinds of wealth and fame. Mm -hmm. And Dave Van Ronk was behind on that, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, never reached that kind of fame. Hmm. And all the other ones, too, they were with back then. Everybody from Jody Mitchell to Jose Feliciano. And they all yeah, were together right. back in those days of the Greenwich Village of New York. Yeah, yeah. He had something to say about Bob Dylan's songwriting that I found interesting. And I'm sure it's, it's probably largely true, although there's a little bit of jealousy and stuff going on with this, too. But he says that... Dylan tried to tell everybody, he tried to put out this persona, that he never really read classic poetry. Hmm. He All his songs were just kind of coming from this well inside him. Hmm. It was all just pouring out, and he tried to push that fiction that he hmm. didn't read, but he Dave Van Rock witnessed. He saw the books, French poets. and all. <laughs> So it was all baloney, hmm. that, that, that side of it. But he said how damaging that was to these younger oh, yeah. folk singers and folk songwriters. 
that they tried to do it too. Mm-hmm. Let's not read any poetry. Let's oh. just let's just write our own stuff. And that was not real good, that side of it. Right. And then he also said that Dylan was kind of lazy in his songwriting mm. and that he tried to push this narrative that he just was coming up with the stuff. It was coming out and he just had to write it down and get it down. And he didn't really want to polish his songs. He would settle for whatever first came into his head. Mm. And he said that Dylan found it easier to write new songs than to fix the ones he already mm. that he'd already written. It was interesting to see yeah, that. Yeah, that is you know? interesting. Hmm. So that was one of the things he said. And one of the things that he said was, so this is the thing for Dave Van Ronk. He didn't write a lot of songs, very few if you look at his albums. He took other people's songs and made covers of them mm-hmm. but he would add things that were unusual he, he was really good at that mm. he an took, example the example i'll give you is the house of the rising sun mm. supposedly dave van rock took that old song and he did this interesting bass progression that that made it kind of more interesting and mm-hmm. attractive to everybody well according to his book dylan took that and put it on his first album. Mm. And Dave Van Rock was furious, you know, that that, that Dylan kind of stole yeah, his idea. Yeah. There was a lot of stealing yeah. going on, borrowing. They, yeah. they wouldn't call it stealing. There was a lot of that going on. Everybody mm-hmm. did. But some of these folk songs were ancient, mm-hmm. and they just you took one and you fixed it up and added a little flair yeah. here and there. So that's what he did. But Dylan did that. And then the Animals made a gold yeah. record yeah. out of redoing what Dylan did, which was wow. stolen from Dave Van Rock. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that, how much truth there is there. That's, you're hearing that from the one perspective. Mm-hmm. And he just said that he took exception to people saying back then, uh, she only does covers, you know, because it was a big push to write your own songs. Sure. Which was kind of unusual at that time in the 60s. They didn't, you know, mm. it was a lot of Hoagie Carmichael and... yeah. Cole Porter and all those writers. Right. But these guys were doing their own, you know. Totally. Dylan and, and That was a newer thing at the time, yeah. right? I mean, before that, it was common practice to just do standards that someone else wrote the lyrics to, and you would do your own version of it, you know. Yep. Sinatra would do his, and then Billie Holiday would do hers, and Ella. Funny, funny you mentioned those two names, huh. because this is what Dave Van Rock said. He said that's silly to say, oh, she only does covers. He said Pavarotti didn't write his own music. Mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong, Billy Holiday, Bing Crosby, Sinatra, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin. The the thing is, you've got to give these people credit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they took these songs and put their yeah. well, stuff, their stamp on. You know, it, right? I'm a huge Sinatra fan, and I've done a lot of research on specifically his side of these kind of things. And I think he probably, you know, other people in his caliber would probably have a similar mindset. I know for a fact that he was a super sensitive judge to which songs were right for him. Hmm. He could know. He'd say, ah, oh, this is not for me. I agree. Or I think he this, did that. He yep. was very good at knowing what was best suited for his voice. And then that, that was what made him an artist. What was Maybe, that one song where he refused to sing it because it was... Lush Life. Oh, yes. He tried it. You told and me that There's an uh, outtake of him trying to sing it. He said, eh, no, let's try this in a year. Or maybe never. <laughs> <laughs> he could tell right away. It's yeah. not, it wasn't suited. But um, I think, sure, maybe he wasn't a writer, but that's not what he was claiming to be. 
Mm. You know, it seems like those those guys had some kind of, you know, a new perspective that not only did you have to be a great performer and singer, but also songwriter, the whole package. You have to be have the whole package. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something about that still today that if, if it's a band who's gotten a song written for them, they're not as authentic or something. But that's a tall order to not only be able to sing, but also to stand up and perform the song and to write it yourself. It's a lot. Yep. These people did it. Paul yeah. Simon and, and uh, all, all sorts of Pete Seeger. All mm-hmm. these people were doing it all of a sudden. So it was a big deal to do that. Yeah. So this is why some people kind of with disdain said, ah, they're just covering, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of silly. One other quote from him. He's just kind of making fun of pop songs or the rock and roll that was coming out in Mm -hmm. the 60s, although he liked a lot of it. But he just said all pop songs tend to be, I love my baby (laughs) or get down and boogie. (laughs) (laughs) He just kind of puts it into those two frames. Just the other night, we went to watch a local vocal harmony group called Vox. Three women from Sheboygan who were performing here. They were saying when they introduced the song, it was like the second or third song about death. And they said, we apologize for another song about death. But their thing was, all songs have four sources, I guess, Mm -hmm. or for uh, uh, themes or yeah. impetus, impeti, yeah, sure. or yes, love, breaking up, spring, and death. <laughs> so you have four choices there. I thought it was kind of funny. So this kind of goes with <laughs> this kind of goes with Dave Van Ronk's little thing about I love my baby or get yeah. down and boogie. Those yeah. are your two choices. There. <laughs> so it's get it's down and boogie funny. in spring before you die. <laughs> You could try to write a song that's yeah. got... All four of them? Yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, anyway. Well, it's interesting that you say all of this because it ki- it really, really ties in with my topic. <laughs> you were talking about how some modern songs were kind of influenced by old mm-hmm. classics. Right. Classic I tried to find the original resource that our friend Liz was referencing that mm. was um, done by Casey Kasem himself. Oh, yeah. But I couldn't locate a recording. I'll try to dig further. But what I did find is an old YouTube video that I had seen years ago, and it stu- has it stuck with me. There's this man on YouTube. His name is David Bennett Piano. That's his name on YouTube. Hmm. And he ultimately is dissecting these songs almost scientifically. That's sort of what I would describe his take on these things. He has a, a video I found called 28 Songs Based on Classical Music. That's it. He'll say, okay, listen to this. Here's a Led Zeppelin song. And okay, then that's what I want to ask the... you right away. When he said 28 songs, he's talking about songs, modern-ish yeah. Yeah. song. Led Zeppelin, pop Led songs. Led Zeppelin who sampled Beethoven. Or, okay, I you know, see. It, it, it's so interesting. Hmm. You can hear it side by side. And the neat thing is, for some of them, he will even go as far as putting the songs in the same key so you can hear exactly mm. how close some of them are. Mm. It's really fascinating. You know, he references Beatles, Billy Joel, Jethro Tull, obviously, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells. Sure. He, and the cool thing is he, he um, scours these different resources, interviews and things with these very musicians explaining their background to all of this. Mm. So... 
Mike Oldfield is there's an interview with him saying, well, it's just Tubular Bells is just an upside down version of Takata and Fugue, and he plays them side by side, and it's kind of like whoa when you when you hear him. Sure enough, he's got this same rhythmic. It sounds the same, and and it's just slightly altered, but but it's so obviously influenced. So when you talk about Dylan not wanting to look at old poets for for I mean that's what a true artist does. They look. I think he did. Yeah, I know, but for him to deny that, it's like any any good artist would say, yes, I'm looking at the greats. To influence my thing because it that's what art is it, it's fluid learn from others and you apply it to your own and change it and i learned that even um billy joel credits beethoven on his liner notes huh. he credited beethoven <laughs> i mean that's really cool <laughs> especially when you're talking about these people who were borrowing from each other and taking <laughs> things and they're like well sorry this is the this is the deal and they should be listening to that yeah so anybody yeah. who was right. studying music or going into I mean, that and, yeah. and you know the just the song bure you know that one jethro tull yes but i mean it's based on that classical piece oh bure. by who bure originally by bach and Jethro Tull did their jazzy version, but that's Bach. I see. And then in this YouTube video by David Bennett, he shows how many other artists used the same Bach bit. Even Mm. Paul McCartney said that he directly used that piece of music to influence Blackbird. There is Paul McCartney playing Bure on his guitar and then you hear him turn it into blackbird and it's so obvious you wouldn't maybe guess when you're just listening to blackbird if you only know that song but when you hear it next to this piece of classical music it's like boing so clear very cool very cool i gotta tell you this every week you bring something to to this podcast that makes me want to run off and (laughs) and, and listen to it or or watch it or but so that's really nice what I have to say tonight about the Three Stooges, I don't think anybody's going to want to go off and watch <laughs> these shows. But this is very cool. Yeah. I like this. But I can't wait to hear the I know. Because I know the, the Jethro Tull yeah. race you I know. Know, so well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you think that's cool, I mean, that's a pretty direct hit. Yeah. Their version is, a, is his, except just jazzified. Hmm. But then if you like that... When you start uncovering some of these more nuanced versions, when, when Black Sabbath says, oh yeah, we use this classical music. You don't think of classical music as rock and roll. You know, it's, it's just, I think you would like that a lot. Yeah. Here's, here's the guy from Black Sabbath explaining how he loved classical music and applied it to his, his hard rock. Well, it's a one-way street, too. You're not going to read some old book about <laughs> Beethoven where he says, I was influenced by Black Sabbath. Right. So. But how cool is it? How cool would it be for Beethoven to think, wow, people are still talking about me. Yeah. If he could hear Black Sabbath, a Black Sabbath album, what would it inspire him to write? Yeah, <laughs> he would be proud, I think. I don't know. Who knows? But Of course, he had inspirations of his own that came right, before him. Right. That we're talking way back. Well, I, there's a memory. I was As I was driving over here, I was thinking about all of this. And, I mean, clearly ELO is a band that used a lot of this stuff. Obviously, Jeff Lynne was a huge classical music fanatic. And there's one song... Yeah, Rock okay. aria, okay. exclamation point, is the song. Oh. Do you, you don't know that one? Mm-mm. 
I just love that song. There's huh. a lot of great ELO songs. What album was This is was the it most exciting one. It was on a new world record. Okay. Right before the pandemic, the last big concert I went to was ELO in Chicago. And they played that song. Mm. And I just went out of my mind. It's so exciting. They have this female opera singer belting things out. And then he's referencing all these famous <laughs> old classical musicians, Verdi and Beethoven and all these other people, just having this great old time melding classical music and rock. So... Fantastic, super fun. I didn't know that song before I went to that concert. Hmm. Then, last year, at Abbey Road on the River, there was a cover band called E.L. Foe. Hmm. Great pun. <laughs> and it was, I was kind of like, oh, I'll go check it out. But boy, was that fun. It was pouring rain out and hardly anyone in the audience. So I was enjoying myself, dancing well around and stuff. Totally soaked inside and out. <laughs> they all were still giving a great show, even though there was nobody in the audience watching. They had these spacey suits, and then they broke into rock aria. It was the most fun thing, because <laughs> from the first time I saw it to this time, I learned all the words, and it was kind of like a dream to see it again in real life. You don't hear that one very often. It's mm -hmm. not a common, it's not a popular one, I don't think to sing, and especially for this cover band. I would think, imagine they would do the main hits, but hmm. I don't know. It was it was such a thrill to watch that live. They and must know people like it, like I you do. I guess. At least some people. The know. woman they had singing, though, did such a good job. She does this beautiful mm -hmm. operatic solo, and I don't well, know. Well, ELO, their thing was, you know, guitars, drums, bass, the whole thing, mm -hmm. and then cellos yeah, and, and right. violins. Yeah, right. That was very unusual, yeah. and it lent itself to all sorts of possibilities. Ugh, what a they, full they would sound. All, often do that. What was that song they did? Where it was rock and roll. Um, it was um, roll over Beethoven. Yep. It was a hit for them. Yeah. But it started with the the first. Yeah. The first parts of uh, the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Yeah. So yeah. Just as, they it, could to do me, it. It's such a full. You how fun would it be to play with that if you were in the driver's seat for that band? To think, oh, let's try this today, and you just you <laughs> just had the whole orchestra there with you, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, ah, I, I think that's so cool, and I think it's really neat how all of this this whole discussion is showing just how referencing these older things keeps them alive further, yep. you know. Yep, which is so good. Yeah. But you're talking about ELO, Oldfield. Mm-hmm. Who else? You talked about Black Sabbath a little bit. Mm -hmm. Beatles, Billy Joel. Oh, the Beatles, sure. You know, I mean. Billy Joel, yep. I mean, honestly, you probably could go. It's probably endless, mm -hmm. honestly. Well, the Beatles, I know for a fact, mm -hmm. on Abbey Road, they they had the song um, Because. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Where John was challenged by Yoko to, to to play the Moonlight Sonata yes. on the piano, but but backwards or something. Yep. So he did, and that's what they came up with. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. He played it, he used the music, mm -hmm. but did it somehow differently. And, yep. and Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is, I'm, I'm really talking a lot about the older rock bands that used these things, but in this little video I found, he explores all kinds of genres. It's not just old rock it's so far reaching it's not just this i'm that's i'm talking about it because it's our our podcast aims yeah. for this but yeah and it's funny it's a such a coincidence that i was on a different topic talking yeah. about dylan 
and old poetry that may have may have yeah. influenced him. And now we're talking about music. You know what? Well, just while you were saying all that, I thought, what a what a neat balance we have because consistently now you are drawn to the words, to the language. Mm. Consistently, you want to talk about lyrics. You're talking about the words, words, words. That's the thing that really stands yeah. out to you. It seems for me, it's consistently the soundscape. Mm. It's not not just the. I mean, the words are important to me, sure. but they're not as significant, I think, as my feeling when I first get into the world of a song. Mm-hmm. So, and that's is just interesting that each time we clearly are gravitating yeah. to these two different realms. And you've made me think about that kind of stuff because a couple times in the past couple of weeks. I've thought about why do I like these lyrics so much? And I find the answer is the music. Mm-hmm. So, But I have to think twice before I realize that. Yeah. There are times the lyrics really aren't that great, but there's a feeling I get yeah. when I hear the song, and it's from the music. Yep. So that's secondary to me, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very cool how um, necessary each side of it is. If you had crappy lyrics, then you'd be talking about I don't know. We'd have another discussion about America, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to say oh, it again. America. Poor oh. group that I used to like so much. I do want to talk next time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend time tonight talking about this, but I have a couple of very poorly written <laughs> lyrics of famous songs. that I, I'm. This is my fear. These songs I liked when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. I, I bought the record, you know. <laughs> And after all this time, I'm looking back, and I the other day I was reminded mm-hmm. of this record and of this song by a famous well, don't, group. You can't get into it. Next now. time, Next I will time. talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't leave us hanging out. <laughs> <sighs> so I do. I do want to talk about some nice ones too. So. Okay. Okay. So that was fun. Yeah, I agree. And and you've got me thinking again. Yeah. About stuff I need to do. I don't always have time later or think of it later. So, yeah, but I, I did I did watch Popeye. I, what else did I do? Minnie the Moocher. Yes, yep. Cab Calloway stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's fun. And this week I've been listening to tons of dark noir oh. old radio shows. Uh-huh. So, yeah. that's just an ongoing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know more about the Three Stooges. The Three Stooges. Now, when I picked this out of our jar, my one of my first thoughts was, uh-oh, because I know that a lot of people don't like them. And when I told your mother earlier today that I have to talk about the Three Stooges, she said, eh, I won't listen to that episode of your podcast. <laughs> and I said, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go on and on about the things you don't like. But I, there are some interesting things about mm-hmm. these guys. So we'll talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll try not to overdo it. A stooge, back in the days of vaudeville, it was a it was a buffoonish guy who the main star of the show would make fun of. Sure. You know, so a stooge. It's still that's what we say. You know, um, you know. But but the three stooges, they worked for a guy, Ted Healy, who was the star. And I think it was first Mo Howard. On vaudeville? Vaudeville, and then oh. they were they made movies together. Ted yeah, Healy. Yeah. Ted Healy and his Stooges. And then they, they, when their contract was up, the Three Stooges went off and made movies of their own, but they called themselves the Three Stooges. There was no star anymore <laughs> being the, you know, the, the big star. It makes it a little, even a little funnier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny name for a group. Uh, so it was Mo Howard and his brother Shemp and Larry Fine. 
Okay. Who were the first three Stooges? So if what was it, Mo, Morton, Moses, Moses Horowitz. Horowitz. And then what was Shemp's? Samuel Horowitz, mm. and then there was Jerome Horowitz who oh. became Curly. Oh. So I'll be I'll be oh, real, yeah. real yeah. quick about this, because for different reasons there were different people being mm-hmm. in the three Stooges. Mainly it was Mo and Larry who were there from the beginning until mm-hmm. the end, and this third one. Well, at first was Shemp. He was Moe's older brother. And he, at one point, broke off and, and went into acting on his own. He was in a W.C. Fields movie. He, I know, I recognize him every time I watch The Bank Dick. Mm. One of my favorite parts of that movie, one of my favorite lines by W.C. Fields is involves Shemp, who was a bartender. <laughs> oh, jeez. So... What did he say? Oh, well... <laughs> W.C. Fields... Goes into this tavern and he says to Shemp Howard, the bartender, Listen, was I in here last night and did I spend a $20 bill? And Shemp said, Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> oh, what a relief. I thought I lost it. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. Every time I see it, you got to see the face of W.C. Fields. He was a good God, actor. <laughs> At some point, Shemp left because he, he he pursued other acting jobs. And the younger brother, Jerome Curley, mm-hmm. came aboard. And now you had the, the probably the most familiar trio, Moe, Larry, and Curley. Curley got his name. He actually had long curly hair, I, guess, I think. But to make it more funny, they he shaved his head. And he wished later on he hadn't done that. Cause really? He, he thought he was kind of ugly. Was, yeah. Poor he guy. was kind of an insecure guy, hmm. Curly. But they, they often they recognize him as the one with the most talent because he did almost everything he did without really um, being schooled at how to do it. He just did it. He knew how to make people laugh. He knew wow. he said all these funny things and, and did a lot of slapsticky stuff. So he was good in that way. He had a lot of insecurities and things. All mm. these guys. Mm. Um, well, maybe not all of them. Mo and Larry. Mo especially had a long marriage. Pretty stable guy. Um, Larry was married for a long time. His wife died before he did. Um, Larry, interesting. He had he lived a high life. These guys made good money, mm-hmm. but Larry spent it as fast as he made it. Mm. He and his wife. Never, well, I shouldn't say never. In their older age, they bought a house. But for many, many years, when they first were married, they lived in hotels. Hmm. Um, she hated housework. He liked to live high on the hog. He was oh, a big so gambler. Oh, so it's not a bad situation. Yeah, he just spent his money. And he <laughs> gave a lot of it away. When they when their movie time kind of uh, went dry, in what would that be? Probably like in the fi- early 50s, he was broke. Wow. You know? Um, yeah, it was tough. Curly, he was, he must have been kind of a childish person in other ways. He was the youngest in that family. He was married a bunch of times. He got married real easily to these, he would marry someone after knowing them only a short time. Mm. And then they would get divorced quickly. And then she would take all his money. Wow. It happened like four times. Jeez. You know, he just... (laughs) He, he would buy homes oh. without thinking it through, and he, he had lost a lot of his money. Anyway. Should have had a therapist. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, here's the deal. Curly was there, but Curly got had a stroke. So Shemp came back. So that's why oh. when you watch these old shows, you'll see Shemp sometimes, but most of the time you'll see Curly. And then later on in their careers, Curly had to bow out because he had mm -hmm. a stroke and he died before any of the others. Um, Shemp came along and took over for him. But then Shemp died of a heart attack. Jeez. So probably the mid-50s, Joe Besser became one of the Stooges. In fact, there was a short time when they had a fake Shemp. They had some, they had some like there were four different movie <laughs> shorts that they were making. Then they had Shemp in them, but then he died. So they had to find somebody that, I forget his name, but they had a guy who come in who they, they made him up to look like Shemp. It really wasn't <laughs> Shemp. And Jeez, what they, an eerie they, thing to they finished those <laughs> most <laughs> productions. Boy, oh boy, what about the other two guys? Like, oh well, yeah, <laughs> I just keep know. on rolling. Jeez. They did that. They just tried, they had to. They had to have three. Joe Besser was in there for a few years, and then his wife got sick, and he wanted to take care of her, so he bowed wow. out. And then this guy named Joe DiRita came in, and he was there till the end. Hmm. In fact. Around 1970, they were still going. Wow. And Larry had a stroke, Jeez. and he bowed out. So this other guy came in to take his place. Um, his name was Emil Sitka. You can look mm -hmm. him up if you really want. He was in a lot of their shows. He was kind of a stooge to the Three Stooges. <laughs> and then he, he looked a little bit like Larry, so he was going to take wow. over. Huh. Um, they were going to have a TV comedy show in 1970 but then larry had that stroke and it didn't any work any story about how they got those haircuts yeah it's all in there hmm. mo just cut his own hair once and, and it he was he just kind of took a scissors it's pretty bad it's a, a comedic thing <laughs> yeah. larry it was that ted healy guy who told him he his hmm. hair was all he had gotten it wet and it was all flying all over and he said keep it that way so he always wow. did yeah it's interesting because I learned some, from, I don't know, some kind of <laughs> cartoon drawing tutorial or something. I think it was, ah. actually, I think it was my favorite, you know, my favorite cartoon is Hey Arnold. I believe that's <laughs> what it was. That, that that creator said, someone along the way told him to make a standout character, make sure that you could recognize them from their silhouette. Ah. And that's, that. then you know it'll be a real, it'll that stick in sense. someone's brain. Yeah. And I think those three really have that. Mm -hmm. You could see a silhouette of the Three Stooges and know exactly who they are. Well, and you know, and they used it to effect. Mm -hmm. the, 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 often, Mo would grab Larry by the hair, you know. Yeah. And it was just, you know, that's their whole humor. Mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of people don't like it. It's just full of poking and punching and, mm -hmm. and elbowing and eh. And they, but it's funny. A lot of people think that's funny. So what they do that makes it funny, I think, is someone will get hit on the head with a big crowbar and they'll have this metallic sound effect. <laughs> Dong! And it's just so silly that that, that would happen if you hit yeah. somebody on the head. But, yeah. you know, they, they, it was just full of that kind of stuff yeah. with these weird plots. You know, like, um, there was one, Shemp would, would get, I forget why or how, but he was going to get like $500,000 if he got married by 6 o'clock tomorrow. So you got this time limit thing going on they're all they were trying to find a woman who would marry him and they wouldn't you know it was just like just crazy plots for these 20 minute shorts they made like eight of these a year and they would get paid they were very this is the thing people should really understand back in the 40s when they were making these 
they were hugely popular. People loved the Three Stooges. But at Columbia Pictures, Harry Cohn was the producer there. He somehow kept that knowledge from them. Mm. He would make them sign contracts once a year, never any multi-year contracts, and he would tell them, oh, things are not going well here, mm. viewers are down, you know. Mm. So they just they settled for a chunk of money, which they would split up among themselves. Um, they didn't get paid individually like that. Um, you know, it was not real good the way they did that. They weren't good business people. They made five full feature films and many, many, 190 of these shorts. Wow. They were like 20 minutes long, real short, low budget, crank them out, you know, and they had silly plots. People didn't care. You know, there was a lot of fancy ballrooms where they were visiting. But, you know, people still know they would they would there'd be a fancy ballroom and there they would end up just destroying yeah. it by the end but people still today i found this out during the pandemic cuz i let my, I, my hair was growing like crazy and i didn't want to go to the barber shop so finally i tried to cut it myself and you saw it yeah it was bad <laughs> it was bad wow well i found out Thank though god hair grows <laughs> I found out that in this day and age, people still remember the Three Stooges, at least some, because I put it out on Facebook that I was starting to look like Larry Fine, so I decided to cut my hair, and now I look like Mo Howard. <laughs> and a lot of people responded to that. But I, I don't know, people who don't so know funny. those characters, yeah. what are they going to do? But, That's hilarious. Uh, oh my then God. They, they, their movies went down in the 50s, and they were lost their popularity, but then in the 60s, Screen Gems was a production company mm. affiliated with Columbia Pictures, and the Three Stooges were on TV like crazy, Wow! and all these kids took to them. Yeah. They were still alive, they are old, but they were on t- commercials, huh? they were on, they were going to get their own TV mm. show, um, but then they were they were pretty old, and they, they had health problems. Is it most, was it mostly geared toward kids, or was it just slapstick for anybody? I don't think in the beginning it was for kids. Hmm. That it, seems like the same story with Popeye, that it was sort of like this this release of, ah. <laughs> you know, this, we, you were talking about how violent that was, and, you know, it sounds like yeah. they're kind of, it's just kind of like this well, pretty and, and human. Well, and the themes, there were no kids on the Three yeah. Stooges, and the themes were often, I'm going after this beautiful woman. Yeah, I but that's the same for lots of these shows. Yeah. Batman had adult themes, and... Top Cat and Popeye was always after Flintstones and I don't know there's all yeah. these adult shows that are maybe for kids <laughs> who know maybe adults huh I don't know it's so interesting to think of how that kind of thing has shifted because I think people are still attracted to that kind of stuff and it's interesting that you have some people who really hated this stuff but clearly there's some kind of a common thread through all of it where people like it. And I think for me personally, I think the thing that, while you were describing this, I was thinking, well, what's the difference between this slapsticky kind of thing? It's very visual humor, mm-hmm. same as Popeye. For me, I have a hard time when they destroy real stuff. I'm like, yeah. no, I can't handle that. Yeah. If it's just drawn, if it's just a cartoon or a comic or something, then it's like, well, whatever. But if it's real people destroying real things or hurting real other other living things. Ugh, I can't it's hard for me to 
stomach it sometimes. I would I would be more. I always feel bad for him. I'd be like, well, why are you picking on that guy? He's not so bad. Well, Moe was Mo. always the meanest one. Yeah. Larry was kind of in the middle trying to trying to be reasonable, I guess. Yeah. And, and then you had this childish one that's yeah. curly. I think that's my, that is my impression. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I remember watching it or something around the house and feeling kind of bad for him and being like, well, he's not, he didn't do anything wrong. Why are you poking him in the eye? <laughs> I definitely have a soft spot for the Three Stooges mm-hmm. when they were, they were once, I think they interviewed Mo Howard on 60 Minutes. Mm. That was years and years ago. Of course, he died in 1975, so it had to have been between yeah. 1968 when the 60 Minutes came out and then. But I remember like, oh, I've got to hear this. Yeah, you know, I'm so yeah. interested to see this man without mm-hmm. his whole, whole thing stick, going on. Yeah. With his, yeah. mm-hmm. It was it was very nice to, to hear his story. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do like them. I, I've, I've drawn to them. Mm-hmm. But I would prefer to watch Laurel and Hardy or mm-hmm. something. They had their place and they've got, they have some longevity, you mm-hmm. know, in their whole, their whole thing. And you as a teacher ought to know they did that song, <laughs> A Swingin' Alphabet. Oh, Mo, I know that one. Do you? Yes. <laughs> I love you want to play that for your oh, kids. God. <laughs> that and John Lennon's alphabet. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Boy, all my students are going to go home and their parents are going to say, what the heck is going on over there? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> well... Next week, yeah, I'm not even going to draw anything out of this jar because yeah. I know a long time ago I said we should talk sometime about this, and I want to talk about it next what? week. The comics page, yes, just Great. you know, I won't be thorough about it, but I want to bring some some things about the comics page mm-hmm. as it exists today, and maybe go back to what it used to be like. Great, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, that's a good idea. I know what I want to do next week. I don't know what came over me, but this weekend I started listening to lots of polka. So I okay. want to research Frank Yankovic. Oh, Frankie Yankovic. Yep. Frankie. <laughs> That's Weird Al's dad. I don't think so. I did a tiny bit of research, really? and they said they're not related, but they did work together. Oh, I always thought that was a father and son. I don't think so. Frankie Yankovic, the Pennsylvania polka. Right. Was, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. We're living in this this little pocket of German heritage here in Sheboygan. Yes. And there's lots of polka and I never really listened to it before, but I think I made a realization that most of the time any traditional music I like. If it's oldie, old yeah. traditional, it's fun regardless of which culture it's from. If it's old, I like it. <laughs> and I that and this weekend I started listening and it was I was having a great old time. It's so happy. It's My true. gosh. And what's nice is around here in Sheboygan, Milwaukee, too, mm-hmm. Polka is big. Green Bay, it's big. And it is still big. Saturday mm-hmm. mornings on the radio here, they still play it. You know, <laughs> 20 years ago, you could hear Bing Crosby and Glenn Miller on the radio, mm-hmm. and that's kind of phased out. Older people yeah. are kind of, they've, 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 it's all changed, and they don't mm-hmm. play that anymore. There's, I'm sure there are older people, but they still play Polka. Yep. Here. And when you go to a wedding or a, a party around mm-hmm. here, you might find a live polka yep. band. Right. You can go every every week at L and L's. Wow. Every week there's and a live polka. And when you're there, it's fun. It really the tuba, is. The tuba, yep. the accordion. It's yep. just fun. Yeah. I went to a comedy show in Milwaukee maybe last year, and the lady said something like, I hear you guys like polka. 
something like that. And the entire audience started <laughs> singing Roll Out the Barrel. Oh, God. I mean, it was, it was like she didn't even... She didn't even prompt anybody. <laughs> oh, that's all it took. Oh, I hear you like poke around here. Roll out the barrel. Ever the whole entire. It was. It was wow. almost like a. It was a cool moment to be part of. I didn't realize how. Well, and there are people around here who have and can play accordions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could find that in California. Or, <laughs> I don't maybe know. I don't maybe, know. Maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Well, good topic. Yeah. That'll be fun. I might look into other thing, other aspects too, but I'll focus on him and. See what else Let's I not find. study the lyrics too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wife at home. She's the love, She's the of, love my of my life. life. But what? Um, not... But she won't just won't leave me alone. And it's all about clean the carpet, fix the. I've got a wife at home. Yeah, but you can't tell me you don't love that to look at your face. You're all smiley and everything else. You uh, say it was. But I don't know how many times I've heard you sing that. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll admit it. Jeez. Oh. Uh, or the yes, is... the yes Deer Polka. That was another one I like to. <laughs> Maybe you should study this one. Oh, God. Oh, well, I grew up with it. Sunday mornings, they would have polka music on TV, and you'd watch these bands play and these people dancing around <laughs> for a half an hour. You'd there was a polka that. club at my elementary school. Really? Yep. Mrs. Beeman taught it. So kids could go and yep. dance? after school club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, she would dress up in her whole outfit, too. Wow. Yeah. Well... Do you have a little time for one little merry-go-round, if you can make it quick? Sure. All right. What's our word? What's our thing going to be? How about, um, I'm just going to give you a word. Green. Green. Then I'll come back with green, green. What? That was the name name of a song. We're talking about Dave Van Ronk. Green, (laughs) green. Green, green, it's green, green they, they say, say on the far side of the hill. The new Christy Minstrels, folk music, <laughs> Dave Van Rock. His book, by the way, is The Mayor of McDougal Street. Okay. So that if anybody That applies, and I, I accept that. And green, you just green. were going to say green, green. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought you were just doubling <laughs> up. Okay. Um, uh, Sorry for not leading Christy you to a better minstrels. place. I mean, I could give you a different one. You can't counter with green, green, green. Maybe I could. How about Mr. Green Jeans? Do you know that character? No, I don't. What's that from again? What is that? Captain Kangaroo. Oh. He was the... Mr. Green Jeans. He was always mm. on that show with Mr. Moose and mm. Bunny Rabbit and, I don't know, mm. children's. Well, then I'll do Moose from Archie comics. Moose? Mm-hmm. Ah, from Archie. Okay. Big Moose. <laughs> His girlfriend was Midge. Oh. Midge. That's tough. Like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel goes by Midge. Oh. Although that's something new, but she's kind of old, too. Let's see. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, what's fascinating to me is when I watch that show, what's the name of that woman who plays that part? Rachel uh, Brosnahan. Yes. 
and she's about your age. And she's from Milwaukee. Yes, that's what I was going to say. My my next word for I you is Milwaukee. I think that's so cool. Okay, Milwaukee. She's from Milwaukee, and yeah. she's your age. I thought she's, yeah. you know, she seems older. I but. know, which makes me feel like, well, I didn't really accomplish much. She's <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff. You could stuff. always do that. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Um, Michael Jackson was singing when he was eight years old, you know, so <laughs> thank keep you. up that with that. makes me feel better. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you didn't say, yeah, why didn't you do more with your life? <laughs> um, Milwaukee. Um, oh, the Fonz. Fonzie. Okay. Yeah. From Happy Days. Yeah. There that you was go. based in Milwaukee. Okay. Henry Winkler was the Fonz. I'll do Henry Aldrich. Henry... Henry Aldrich. <laughs> Can't make <mind> <laughs> uh, Let's see. I know. Damn. I mean, I, I've got. I one. know. Oh. Jello sponsored Henry Aldrich. Yes. And they have a. They have yellow. Orange. They have green Jello. So it brings us back to green. Oh, very, very good. Very good. I like that. So yes, they were sponsored by. Jello. Yep. So was Jack Benny yeah. back in radio. But, but but for sure. On I don't know if they had the same kind of advertisements on Benny as No, they Aldrich. didn't do that. No. They had weird. They had uh, Meredith Wilson on the Henry Aldrich show for uh, advertising the Jello family. Huh. Did you know that? I don't remember. Meredith that. Wilson. Oh, Meredith Wilson and all these voices going Oh, hello. We are the Jello family. The Jello family of desserts. And they had all, it was like a harmony. And then they'd sing a little, 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 I'll be, <laughs> this is so strange, <laughs> and I'll be doing the comics page. Yeah. And again, I'm going to be criticizing some, I know, I'll be, but I'll be praising many too. I like the comics page. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. Cool. But I can't wait. But now... I've already trashed the family circus here <laughs> back in season one of our podcast. You are a tough critic. Uh, no, I mean, it's, easy to, <laughs> it's easy to criticize the family service. That's there, that is completely true. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> oh, boy. So, anyway. All right, until next time. See you later. Yes, bye-bye. Do-do-do-do-do-do.